0: And welcome to another Live at Five Sports. building. Dean in for Todd Burgeth today, who's out sick. Jim Suhan joining us from the Star Tribune and Talk North podcast. And we're brought to you by Prairie's Edge Casino Resort. Jim, I think it kind of lived up to the billing last night. Uh, twins, uh, you know, made a trade. But before we get to that, uh, the Timberwolves game at OKC, kind of a fun game to watch and probably a little more fun for the Timberwolves.
1: That was a blast. It was really good basketball. Really interesting matchup of the team that loves to play small against the team in perimeter basketball against a team that likes to beat you up inside. Um, you know, playing for the lead in the Western Conference, it's probably going to bounce between three, to four different teams for a while here, and um, and a team that gives a game that gave them the chance to win a tiebreaker. Should they in Oklahoma City end up tied for something down the road, uh, but I just thought that uh, about Edwards. You know, they've been. Bad in the fourth quarter this last month, and they've been bad when Mike Conley hasn't been available to them. Last night they did not have Conley, and they played really well in the fourth quarter. Anthony Edwards, I thought, made really good decisions. Uh, Jaden McDaniels, couple big buckets, excellent defense, shutting down Chet Holmgren. I thought Rudy Gobert had another dominant performance defensively, great on the boards, 6-6 uh, six six for the field, a lot of them being dunks, which is what I'd love to see from him. Uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, good all-around game. And kind of serving as her backup point guard, uh, I thought that was impressive. So I, I thought it was a really impressive victory for a team that had been, you know, had been had been in a lull, I would say, recently.
0: Yeah, you know, they were very fortunate to get out of Brooklyn with the win, and then uh, you know, uh, San Antonio. I I kind of think they've got some pieces there. They're not going to be mired at the bottom forever. Uh, You know, and uh, so they, you know, probably should have won that game, but I wasn't all that much uh, surprised they didn't. I guess I was disappointed uh, with their last shot of the game, but they didn't get a better uh, look at the basket. But, boy, last night it seemed like, uh, you know, they kind of finished this road trip, uh, you know, certainly on a a good note. And, you know, no time to rest as they've got another good team, Dallas, although I think struggling a little bit lately, uh, coming into Target Center tomorrow night.
1: It's hard to try to front run uh, in the NBA. You know, it, it's hard to win a conference. It's hard to be a number one seed. Uh, just, you know, you just can't afford lulls. You can't afford lapses. Um, you have to win a high percentage of your games against bad teams. You have to win a reasonable percentage of your games against good teams. It's just hard. It's, so, yeah, it, I mean, it, what makes it such a fun season and such a dramatic season also makes it very hard on the players. It's just hard to be at your best – for 82 games over six months or whatever period of time it is, um, and I think they just went through what might have been the worst lull of the season uh, for a few few weeks here in January, losing some games they shouldn't lose, blowing leads in the fourth quarter. Uh, but you know, they still had a long way to go here. I still think by the I, I think I, I still think this is going to be in the first second best season in NFL in in franchise history. And again, last night when they, you know, they knew that was an important game, they played extremely well. That's a, a good sign when you start projecting toward the playoffs.
0: Absolutely. Well, let's switch gears. I, I don't think it's a big surprise. Most of us kind of were waiting for when and for who. But uh, uh, Mr. Uh, you know, Polanco is gone now, a longest tenured twin. And in today's game, uh, you know, if you can be with a team for 10 years, that's, that's almost uh, a rarity
1: nowadays. It is, and uh, listen, they love Polanco. He uh, very professional hitter, and a guy who wanted to play every day, who played through injuries, uh, who was willing to play any position they asked him to play. Great teammate, uh, nice guy. You know, they they they'll miss him, no doubt about it. Uh, he was the most logical player to trade. They have an instant replacement for him. In fact, I think Eddie Julian is going to be a, is now and will be a better hitter then, uh, Polanco, he needs to improve his defense. Also, Brooksley coming up who could be their future second baseman if Julian doesn't handle the defensive responsibilities of second base very well. And he could be here by mid-season. Um, so it was a very logical trade. The surprise, uh, I don't know if we had the right to be surprised. I don't think Polanco was going to bring you back a number two starter. Uh, he just hasn't been healthy enough. But, you know, you wondered how, you wondered if they were going to be able to get, like, a number two, number three starter. And turns out they weren't they got a number five starter, and they but that's where I think this deal could end up paying off for them down the road, even though it's almost perfectly designed to anger twins fans because it didn't bring back you know the exactly what they wanted um, you know topa could is going to be added to he's a sinker ball pitcher who's going to be a nice offset for all the power arms they have in that bullpen. Uh, I think if they can get you know, it's Louis Varland's in that bullpen, and this trade kind of indicates that that's where he's headed. I mean, he, Varland, Brock Stewart, and Duran are all, all almost unhittable when they're right coming out of the bullpen. And then you have Garth Jackson, You have Caleb Fieldbar, You got Burke, You got uh, you know you got uh, Alcala, who I, they still have very high hopes for. Uh, they're going to have a, a they should have a tremendous bullpen. And if you have a great bullpen and a good lineup. Then someone like this could end up, you know, give being the kind of guy we say a lot in the modern game, which is he's going to give you five innings and you have a chance to win.
0: Yeah, it's been his kind of being able to stay healthy that's maybe been a big issue for him. And he's certainly not going to cost him very much, you know, uh, for as far as a salary. It sounds like the Mariners are going to pay about half of his salary. Uh, what about uh, this other prospect, this outfield prospect? Uh, where do you see him fitting yep. in, Gonzalez?
1: Uh, well, you know, because they are obviously operating under financial restraints, and they don't know if they're going to get any TV money, they really, you know, building up your farm system is vital. You need affordable players who can perform well. You're also going to need trade chips, and now they have three, you know, three very highly regarded outfield prospects. Uh, Walker Jenkins looks like he's going to be a star. Emma Rodriguez looks like he's gonna be a star, and now this guy uh, Gabriel Gonzalez, he was depending on who, who you read, is the third or fifth best prospect in the Mariners organization. Uh, another power-hitting outfielder who really adds to the you know both the promise of the future, but also could be a trade chip. And then they get you know a pretty good pitching prospect, uh, Darren Bowen, um, who adds to their the star. So be, listen, if you're not going to win in free agency, and most teams don't win in free agency, uh, you need to. Build up your farm system and you need to de- develop players and you need to make smart trades. Uh, this is not the kind of trade that's going to get people really excited right away, but it is the kind of trade that could really pay off for the franchise in the long run.
0: So, do you foresee some more uh, movement here in the near future for the Twins?
1: Uh, I think they'd like to find another bat, but you know, that bat could be Donovan Solano. You know, I mean, he he was great for them last year. And he can play all over the field. He got clutch hits. He took good at bats. He gives them another right-handed bat. And I know people want them to add a right-handed bat. But, you know, the reality is that if Buxton, Correa, and Royce Lewis produce, well, then there's your right-handed punch. And if Jeffers has another good year, that means four of your starters are right-handed hitters with power. So, I'm not, you know, listen. Everybody, wants, everybody spends every offseason wanting them to build the perfect roster. Um, they might add another bat here. It might be somebody like Donovan Solano. It might be somebody we haven't heard of yet. But I don't think they're in bad shape right now. Going, you know, if, they, if they took this team into the season right now and they were reasonably healthy, I think this would be a very good team.
0: Well, and it sounds like, at least the reports, Correa, is, uh, his foot is healed, and Buxton, you know, hoping to return at least on a limited basis, you know, to the outfield. He certainly has got a lot more value if he can play, you know, some center field. Uh, we haven't had a chance to talk, Jim, since the announcement that Joe Maurer is heading into the Hall of Fame as a first ballot pick. Uh, your uh, initial thoughts on that, uh, is, is that a good choice?
1: Yeah, uh, just... First of all, I think he's deserving. Second of all, what we've seen with kind of the more modern uh, voters and with the Veterans Committee, you know, it's no longer about getting milestones, it's no longer about 3,000 hits, 500 home runs, 300 victories. It's really more about how dominant you were in at your prime, in your era. And for, you know, 10 years, Joe Maurer was one of the greatest catchers who ever lived, you know all the gold gloves, all the silver sluggers, three, first three batting t- titles ever won by an American League catcher, an MVP, incredibly high on base percentage. And, you know, if you're going to put Kirby Puck, I, I think Puckett and Oliva were deserving. But if you're going to put Puckett and Oliva in, based on eight to ten years of dominance before they were injured, then Joe Maurer fits with that perfectly.
0: Well, and again, uh, I think a lot of people just think that he's an outstanding. Uh, he may not be the most exciting, uh, but he's just such a solid individual that uh, you know we're proud that he's, I guess, one of us.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, Joe Joe has always been um, Joe has always been a nice person. Uh, he treats people around him well. Um, you know, he was always he was not necessarily the best person to interview, uh, but you know. When we talk about when you talk to you know I got to know his friends, I got to know his family, I got to know people throughout the organization, and he 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 was just one of those athletes who didn't get that part of being a star was being a good interviewer, being entertaining or being forthcoming so you know and I think that hurt him too, because a lot of people you know when he did get hurt, you know they heard bilateral leg weakness, which was not a thing, it was just some phrase that Ron Gardenhire made up, and Joe never really explained himself well enough that that didn't you know the perception he was looking for some way out of playing games. You know, it took root with a lot of people because he never really defended himself properly. So I think he he, you know if you could go back and give him advice as you may and say hey you know be, be upfront and forthright about stuff and it'll probably save you some headaches. He just didn't really get that part of things. But he was but you know where I'm coming back to is yes he was a nice human being.
0: Well, Jim, always great to catch up with you again. Thanks so much and have a great day.
1: Great. Thank you, Bill.